Hello, all you reinventors out there, or reimaginers, rethinkers, rebooters, restarters, whatever you want to call it. I'm Leslie Jane Seymour, and I'm the founder of this podcast and of the Covey Club, where we hold a space for you while you figure out what's next. And I have a wonderful discussion uh, for you with somebody who, like many of us, performs at the highest level, had an incredible set of careers, one after the other, bang, 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 amazing stuff, hired by this, hired by that, um, and then had to figure out what was next. Um, And these things happen. And she's now doing her own thing and writing books and coaching people to be their best selves in her own way. And I think you're going to love this discussion with Christina Langdon. She's a passionate entrepreneur and the author of For Success Sake and a high performance success coach to CEOs, founders, and leaders. After 30 years of leading sales and marketing teams at media brands, including Martha Stewart Living, Omnimedia, and Fast Company, she now helps leaders and businesses achieve more than they thought possible. After a diagnosis of AML leukemia in 2019, Christina decided to let go of the debilitating should have, would have, could have mindset and start owning her success with her vision for living an extraordinary life. And a lot of us, all of us have those should have, would have, could have mindsets. And here is Christina to tell you how to let go of it and even better We have an upcoming Covey class with her called A Rewrite of Success, A New Definition, Thursday, February 1 at 6 p.m. You can find the link in the show notes and sign up. You don't have to be a member. You can grab a ticket and come actually meet her. So here is Christina. Hey, Christina, wonderful to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me here, Leslie. I'm a big fan. Good. Well, we love women like you who've reinvented and we're going to get your tips and tricks. But before we do that, let's start out with your background. I always love to understand like where you grew up really quickly. What did you start out doing and what did you think you were going to do? And and were those the same? Uh, that's a really good question. And before I start, I just want to say, you know, I said I was a really big fan and I have followed you for years and remembered waiting for each issue of more magazine to come out before I was a subscriber and turning to your editor's letter. It felt like what was new, what did I need to know about? And so I feel like, uh, my reinvention inventions uh, for more um, were partly inspired by every month of more magazine. So thank you for that. And so I'm a very big fan and I'm very happy to be here. Um, So I grew up in New Jersey and I grew up with a mother who was a bit of a trailblazer. I think she was one of the ones who started cracking the glass ceiling. So I role modeled a lot uh, based on um, watching her, uh, I wanted to be in sports marketing. Uh, and my first job out of college was in public relations. So when I looked back in preparation for our conversation today, I looked at my reinventions in terms of 
where I've pivoted in my career or grown or had taken big leaps. And I had about nine of them, but it started. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It started in uh, public relations and where I was hoping to get into sports marketing, but ultimately did not. I worked on DuPont Stainmaster Carpet. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all end up starting out like that? Yes. A little bit different. But then <laughs> I was fortunate enough to meet uh, a gentleman in New York City who worked at Time Magazine. And we met by happenstance and he recruited me to come work for Time Magazine in their marketing department. So wow, that was the launch of my almost three decades of experience in the media world where I really spent 20 of those years working for Martha Stewart, Martha Stewart Living, Martha Stewart Living Omnimedia, where I started in marketing, went into sales and then into leadership as we uh, went through the roller coaster of her launching. Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. Mm. And, and then her going through um, her trials, literally, and tribulations with, yes. uh, you know, being um, sent to jail for eight months and then working to bring back the company to profitability in two years. Um, so I spent a good bulk of my career there. And I'm probably... Who I am today is a lot in part uh, because of those 20 years and leading um, that sort of revolution of trying to make homekeeping uh, an art form. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I stayed in media. My last role in media was as the chief revenue officer at Fast Company. And like More Magazine, I like really was one of the few magazines I subscribed to. The other one was Fast Company. And I had such an amazing experience leading that team there. Uh, and at the same time, something just didn't feel quite right. I felt a little bit out of alignment. If you looked at my LinkedIn profile, you would have seen uh, successive uh, titles um, and increase in responsibility. I looked perfect on paper and I ended up really being perfectly miserable. And I wow. needed to figure out, like I was living a life of shoulda, woulda, coulda mm. and um, living really by the expectations that others had of me and, and really expectations that I had for myself that ultimately I had to see were really not in alignment with who I wanted to be. So there was a lot of struggle there. I was exiled, I call it exiled, from Fast Company um, in a merger between the two brands, Fast Company and Inc. And it really, it was a very difficult time, but at the same time was a gift because it's it was that sort of smack in the face. Okay, yes. you know, yeah. you're out of alignment. So what does alignment look like? And that was really where my biggest reinvention started. Wow. Amazing. Oh, it, it makes my heart palpitate to hear somebody who loved publishing as much as I did. It's oh, almost yeah. like we were in an amusement park and then the ride yes. stopped, right? <laughs> Into a, a halt. Oh, uh, just, I mean, it, you know, somehow somebody's going to have to write about capturing that it was in this ephemeral moment of fun and 
pleasing your readers and making money and travel and crazy marketing. And, and now it just evaporated. It's so crazy. So what made you then, you know, so you had this opportunity and that happens a lot where Mm -hmm. the universe, you know, conspires and says, okay, this thing is going nowhere anyway. (laughs) You have a lot more in you. So we're going to bring it all to a halt. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, um, what moved you to the next stage and how did you cross over that Rubicon? Um, I really had to do a little, a lot of work on myself and really rediscovering who I was as a person and who I wanted to be as a person. Um, I had to decide like, who did I want to become in this next chapter of myself? And I did a lot of work at looking back. And I really believe that, our ingredients for our success, our ingredients for our happiness, they're all there. We just have to look back to see when we were at our best, when we were in flow. And I really did an audit of who I was. And when I looked back and I did my audit, looking for those red threads, uh, one of the things that came up was that I, on any given lunch hour, you could find me at the Barnes and Noble in 46th Street, just a few blocks up from Martha Stewart Living. Um, in either the self-help aisle or in the business leadership aisle. I didn't have a lot of human resources when we were working at um, Martha Stewart. So I had to learn myself how I wanted to lead for impact and how I wanted to lead others to help them have impact. And all of a sudden, those the red threads of me leading others for their highest potential, I saw that that's really what I loved to do. That was really where I felt most at ease and most in flow. Mm-hmm. Um, and a woman called me after I uh, left Fast Company who had worked for me at Fast Company and she had been in an accident. So she was on workman's compensation. She was home, she was healing. And she called me and she said, you're one of the first people I'm calling now that I'm feeling better. And you changed my life both professionally and personally. Why don't you become a coach? Oh, isn't that wonderful? It it was like a kick in the pants. And I was (laughs) surprised by the phone call and it, you know, my heart just grew. And then I went into, um, a lot of fear around becoming a coach. And I had some judgment around coaches and I had to decide, is this really what I want to want to do? And as I looked into it, I was like, why don't I take a chance? And why don't I host a, uh, a, a morning retreat? So I got eight women together. We hosted, um, a workshop that was called your extraordinary life. And in the workshop, it was like, I felt like I'd come home. Mm-hmm. I felt like, yes, this is it. Like, could I really choose this as my reinvention? And at the same time, I wasn't feeling well. And so very, like a few hours later, I went in for a blood test. And a few hours later, I was diagnosed with AML leukemia. And mm-hmm. it's a story that is, you know, as you might imagine, it was a very difficult, challenging time. But at the same time, I call it my post-traumatic growth period. And I don't want anybody to have a health challenge, to have to really rediscover who they are and who they're meant to be and what they want to do. You know, I feel like when we are growing up, we 
have lots of goals. We want to be, um, we want to go to college and get our college degree. We want to get into, we want to uh, be an executive and we want to get promoted and we want to become high achievers. And we also want to become wives and mothers. And we become all of these things. And then in midlife, we all of a sudden forget or lose sight of who we are becoming. Right. So I was like given this gift in this crisis. And what's interesting with crisis, you know, there's nothing at risk to risk because so much for me at that moment was at risk. So I knew I was going to be in treatment for a year. And I knew that if I survived the first 30 days, that I had a really good chance of surviving. So part of it was a survival tactic. I said, okay, well, what if, what if I launched my company from the hospital? Well, what if? Oh my goodness. And I, I, I want to make sure that anybody who's listening to this, this is not me pounding my chest of, I did all these things because I am no different than anybody else. Like I'm an example of what's possible and I'm no different than, than any of your listeners. I'm just, uh, you know, the only thing I'm an expert in is I'm an expert now in me because I've done the work of deciding who I wanted to become. And then I just decided to take some risks. So I really launched my coaching and consulting company from my, during my treatment and I got certified, I got a website, I launched a 30 day challenge. I took on my first few um, clients. And I remember one client saying like, what's all that beeping noise oh no in the back and I'm like oh don't worry about it and there was a lot there was a lot of fun in it but uh, and a lot like I felt like I wasn't going to be robbed of something that I finally felt was going to be in alignment with my true self Mm. and so how did you do with your with your health and then you were up and rolling already with with your business? So I, I was in treatment for the 12 months and I'm doing very, very well. April 1st will be five years. And that awesome. will be, yeah, that will be a, um, a big marker. I think the uh, recurrence rate drops to 2%. So April Fabulous. 1st. Fabulous. All right. We're rooting for April 1st. Awesome. Only a few months away. Yes. Um, and I... Uh, what, I'm sorry, Leslie, what was the question again? No. And how is the business going? And, and, you know, what so are you working on? I decided that I wanted to help people. Like I, I, what I learned about myself was that I have this ability to see what people can't see and help them see what they can see a little bit more clearly. So how was I going to take that and turn that into a business? It started with coaching high achievers and visionary leaders on helping them to see their highest potential. So one-on-one coaching. And then I wrote a book. I started writing the book while I was in the hospital. It's called For Success Sake. And when I learned that I had a lot a lot to learn about myself, a lot to learn about how I was blaming and shaming myself for decisions that I've had made, how I was living in the past and wasn't living into my future, I started, I kind of put myself back to school. So I, in the book, I write about how I took the steps to reinvent myself, how I took the steps to 
learn how to reimagine and re sort of reprogram my mind towards the future I wanted to create. One of my favorite um, quotes is from Dan Sullivan. He says, the only way to make your present better is to make your future bigger. So I decided I wanted to be an author. I had always wanted to be an author. I had written a book uh, while I was working for Martha Stewart. It was called From Martha to Mother, never published it. That's another story. But I was like, okay, I want to write a book. So I started writing the book. So now I've created a class, which actually takes the uh, tenants and the foundations and the exercises from the book and actually puts it inside of a class that's called um, uh, Success Unleashed. So I do one-on-one -on -one work with people. I do the class work with people. And um, I work with leaders to help them scale their businesses by scaling their minds. And did you do all of this work on your own when you were trying to figure it out? Like some people are good at doing it on their own, but some people do reach out and they get coaching themselves or they go into psychotherapy or what were the tools that you used to get across? You know, that's a really good question. So I started by enrolling myself in a coaching certification program that came with coaching. And ah, I, yeah. Okay. And I had done a lot of work on my own. Um, I had a lot of time to read and a lot of time to uh, do a lot of journaling and future thinking that sort of helped me figure out what I wanted for myself. And so I think that I'm just now using the tools every day of what I put together during that sort of a uh, year of treatment, but I'm always getting help. And I'm always, so one of the things I learned was that, you know, together is always better. Um, I have been following people like yourself and following other um, groups because I can't do it my, on my own. Again, the only person I'm an expert in is myself. I always try to put myself in rooms where I am growing and I'm learning and, and really surrounded by people that are helping me to grow. So I did not do it on my own at all. I did it with the help of a lot of a lot of support, some support that I actually enrolled myself in and just support of, of getting into networks with people who had taken big leaps in their life. And what would you say was the biggest barrier for you? What was preventing oh. you yeah or which given give me a list right? I mean my God, where do we where <laughs> Where do we start? The Cambridge Institute of Technology says that success is driven 85% from mindset. And like they don't, we are not taught growing up how to manage our minds. And my mind, my, my mind was what was holding me back. And when I say that, I mean my confidence. I mean, people would look at my, my you know, LinkedIn profile or my resume and be like, oh, you must be really confident. I right. struggled. And right. All of us. Oh All my. of us. Yes. And so I had to work on my confidence. I had to work on building my belief. I had to work on managing those 60,000 thoughts that people have every day in my head. And most of them were negative. And every day I have to work on it. Like I am here to say that, like, I'm working hard on myself every single day. And it's not easy. I mean, I'm a challenge. I'm a life in progress person every single day. Um, and it's, it's, it takes, 
practice, but my mindset was the hardest thing. And learning that we all have low value cycles, we all have high value cycles, but when we can learn how to get out of the low value cycle quicker, when we can see it for what it is and know that we've been here before and mm -hmm. that we can work, do the work that we need to do to get us back into a cycle that's so much more rewarding. So I work on that every day. Yeah, I think all of us do. I think the key is, is, is knowing that that's what's happening. You have to be mm -hmm. aware enough to know that it's not your state of being, it's your state of thinking. And it it's feels like a state of being, right? And that's the hard part. And it is the hard part. And awareness is the key to all of it. If we can become right. aware, we have choice. And with choice, we have freedom. And like, I think the other thing that I needed to work on was that when we are reinventing ourselves, it is about our identity, as you just referred to before. And our identity and our self-worth has nothing to do with our job title, how much money we make, or the failures that we've had. Our identity is something that we have to work on every single day. I sort I oftentimes say I'm the CEO of me. Yes. Like, what does that mean? It means that I really have to become aware of who I am every single day. It's about knowing and becoming and making decisions from my future CEO self. So it's most people do not define success and success is not money or things. It's all the other things. It's really success is really a feeling. And for me, it's the feeling of joy, ease and impact. And if that's what I want to do, who do I want to then, how do I want to get there in my future? What will I have wanted to accomplish in my future? So I, I like, I answer that in my journal every single day. What kind of, do you have any sort of um, routines that you introduced to your life to get you there? Do you meditate? Do you journal? Do you, were there any sort of tools you use that people can reach out to or, or books that you use that you found were valuable? Yes. I mean, for me, I, I resisted journaling for as many years as I could count. <laughs> <laughs> but then I think I read an article that, um, uh, Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, Ariana Huffington, and Oprah, they all journal. And I was like, well, some of the richest people in the world are journaling. Why do I think I should be different, right? So if right. I'm successful, so I committed to journaling. It's it's got it was very hard in the very big in the very beginning, but I have a process now for my morning routine. I write about um, what worked yesterday. I write oh. about what didn't work yesterday. And I write what, what I want to create today. So I've already written sort of about our podcast discussion. Oh, it's a wow. way of sort of auditing your day and it's a way of sort of setting yourself up for success. And the auditing is, is my way of looking to constantly like improve myself. And it's, it's in support of me building my confidence and building belief in what I'm doing because I'm looking at and sort of celebrating what I've done that worked. And then I'm looking at what didn't work, not from shame or blame, but really from a, how can I improve it? And then how can I show up on my A game? 
I just recently started meditating. I mean, I, I, most days, let's say five days a week, I'm meditating to calm sort of my, my brain. Um, and I, I do it only for about 10 and sometimes 15 minutes a day. So that's a part, a new part of my morning routine that I think is helping me set myself up for success. I like that journaling though. I think that's interesting to talk about yesterday, today in the future. And that I find focus. Um, I mean, it's so, it sounds so stupid, but when you have a focus, even for a year, I'd never written a um, strategic plan before. And a friend did it for me last year. And it, every morning, at least I knew how to make a choice. I had these three objectives for the whole year and that just clears away all this stuff. I would imagine that a morning journal mm -hmm. would be even more focused so you could get rid of, you know, it. it is every day we have this onslaught of stuff we could do or respond to. But if you know, these are the three things I want to focus on today, it's a really interesting idea that you could then just, you know, get rid of the things that were not important and get to the end of your day and day and if you've done those three things only, which we know we can only do three, really, mm -hmm. um, then you feel like you are moving forward and you are because you're not being waylaid, right? Yes. And I spent 30 years like living in default. Yes, we all do. I, right? We all I do. 30 yeah. years of living response. by my, like response. my Yes. And my organizing system was my calendar. Like I would open my calendar and that would just tell me what I was supposed to do. It was not intentional. So I, a lot of what I do is work with clients to help them become much more intentional about their days. So your intention was here are my three things for the year. And then how am I going to bring focus to them every single day? And with that alone, if you move, like I, when I think about living a life of, let's say, 90% in default, if we could change that even by 10, 20, 30%, yes. being more intentional, think yes. about the impact. And think about if you're more intentional towards the things you want, then you're likely going to be a lot more happier. Totally. And you will see movement. I'm always... Um, at Covey Club, we really focus on how to create movement because that is, that's the biggest problem with creating change is the sort of what inertia created by in, you know, dealing with incoming instead of switching it over to how do I be in charge of yeah. what I'm, what I'm going to respond to. And, and, and that goes down to a daily basis, right? So I do, I do think like with anything good in life, it has to be daily. It just yeah. all, and, and the journaling practice sounds really big. I probably spend about 10 minutes journaling every day. It's not a lot. And I can see my brain uh, because I've been doing it so much. You know, I've, I've brought it. It's been consistent for me for, um, you know, at least three years now. And that consistency, I can see things a lot more clearly um, going forward, which has me a lot, lot, lot more intentional. But no, I, I, like also wanna, I also want to like what you brought up was your strategic plan and those three key priorities. And people spend more time planning their vacations then yes. they do, yep. Then they do planning for their future. Yes. So your 
commitment to the strategic plan was your commitment to your future. So getting decided there, and you talked about inertia, like I hear from so many people that they're stuck. I That's hear from right. So, right. And then they say, uh, I don't know how. So I say, how is a dream killer. Every time your brain says, I don't know how, it's really just your fear, 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 fear talking and getting stuck. So people say, well, how do I get unstuck? How do I get away from the fear? And it's really about asking questions around what if. Mm. Well, what if I became an author? What if I started a company? What if I became a coach? What if I learned how to uh, cook? What if I became an artist? What would be possible? The goal of asking what if over and over and over again is to get you to why not. Right. And what if is scary? It's like, what if I had what I want, right? That's, and, what does that mean? That changes your whole life, you know? And it's scary. And it's success and tolerance is, is a very, right. very real thing. Like we are afraid of success. Correct. Um, who would you be if you were successful? Right. And is, you know, we have to decide, is that something that is scary? Absolutely. And guess what? It probably should be. So right. as we pull into the end here, what I always like to do is just ask for three sort of your best girlfriend to girlfriend tips and tricks about creating change and creating the change necessary to create a reinvention of the self. Okay. What would be your, your top three things? You've given us some things and I've got some great ideas about the journaling and all of that, but are there sort of three messages you want to leave us with or how to's? Uh, sure. I would love to. I don't know whether you can hold me to three though. Um, <laughs> okay. Four. <laughs> um, I think one of the biggest ingredients to my success where I'm sitting here today is that I looked back at my, for my ingredients for success. I looked back on all of the titles I held, all the jobs I held, who I was working with, to really look for where I was in flow, to look for where I was doing things that lit me up. And then I pieced that together in who I wanted to become. So part of my uh, journaling practice is what worked, what didn't work, what will I do differently today? But also I write about who I am becoming. And I think that when you can decide who you want to become, and it will change, it may change every day, right, right. but want to really be writing towards that future. And we get stuck in the to-do list and the default. And so I ask everybody to write their to my future list. That list should be written every day before we even look at or write our to-do list. We should be investing in our future today. So I usually ask people to write three things on that list that they will either think about or do um, in the day that is a commitment to their future. I also think every week we should be asking, we should do one bold ask. Oh, I like that. That's you know, great. One bold ask. I think I had a bold ask with you, Leslie. I think that's what I'm why I'm sitting here with you. And really? Get, oh, that's sweet. Yes. 
Um, and I have to say what's interesting about the One Bold Ask every single week is that you're going to be so surprised. I have been so surprised at the response that I've gotten from the One Bold Asks um, that have really been almost life-changing for me. So there's really nothing to risk but for a no. And don't worry, because there's going to be One Bold Ask next week that might get a yes. And then I think the last thing I would mention would be to believe in yourself. Belief is one of the hardest things for me to believe that I can find more joy, ease, and impact. Um, believing yourself, trusting yourself, um, you are your biggest influencer in your life. And when you really recognize it, it is um, a game changer. And that's actually um, the quote that my book has been written on. Fantastic. So Christina, where can everybody find you? Where can they find the book? Can they follow you? What are your handles? Um, the book is For Success Sake, Simple Steps for Extraordinary Possibilities in Leadership and Life, and it's on Amazon. Um, you can reach me on my website, christinalangdon.com, but the best way to stay in touch with me is getting on my newsletter. I publish a newsletter weekly that's called The Sunday Sunshine. It is written um, in pursuit of banishing the Sunday scaries. Oftentimes, oh, yes. right? We have yes. so much anxiety and we're thinking yes. about the ahead. And so Sunday Sunshine is meant to give you a new thought, a new perspective, a new exercise to help set you up for success and energy and excitement for the week ahead. And you can sign up there on my new, on, uh, for the newsletter, Sunday Sunshine on ChristinaLangdon.com. And my Instagram handle is Christina Langdon Boss Lady. Boss Lady, I love it. Christina, wonderful to meet you. And I love those tips and I love the bold ask. I like that. You could have 52 bold asks over the year. Imagine what that could do. I have never thought of that. I may take you up on that. I have a I have a Google document that I've set up that lists all my bold asks. And when I'm feeling a little down or feeling a little less confident, I go to my bold asks. Oh, and I love it. Created. Oh, you know what? I'm going to make you write about that for us. I, I think that. that would be a great extension of what we're going to do. And I'll tell everybody here, you're going to do an upcoming Covey class for us which is called a rewrite of success and new definition. And that'll be Thursday, February 1st at 6 PM. So they can all come, but I'm also going to get you to write about your bold ask list. I didn't know you have a list. I think that's fantastic. That could really move people forward. I think that's a wonderful thing. I'd so, be delighted to. Great. Christina, thank you so much for being a part of our podcast today. And Everybody follow Christina and check up on her and come to the class. It's going to be fantastic. Thank you. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I hope it was helpful to you. I hope that you could find yourself journaling every morning that might get you started in the right direction. As she's, as Christina said, only 10 minutes gets you there. I love that idea. And I hope you picked up some other ideas. Uh, if you love the podcast, please give us a review and give us five stars. That is how the podcast rises up and other people can find us and locate us who need us. If you are serious about your reinvention or just still exploring, wander over to cubbyclub.com. 
pull down the word reinvention uh, into the little spyglass there, you will find a deluge of articles, essays, guides, all kinds of lists, checklists, everything you need to get started with whatever you are rethinking in your life. And then be sure to come join us for a class. And if you're serious, come join the Covey Club. Don't try to do your reinvention alone. It's very hard. I can tell you I did it. It was awful. That's why I created Covey Club. So no one has to do it alone again. And become a member. You get a whole month for free. If it's not for you, you just cancel. It's really simple. So until next time, this is Leslie Jane Seymour.